Jesus, you, you've heard those whispers, and those whispers, I hope maybe in your ears, are like desperate cries because we want them to be because the people we, that you've brought to mind are people that we care about or we see them and we think, boy, we want to see them follow Jesus, so would you draw them to you? Um, you drew Matthew to yourself uh, way back 2,000 years ago, and he was an unlikely candidate, so there's all kinds of unlikely candidates of people to follow you, but we want them to follow you not simply because we want, we don't want more people on the winning team, so to speak. We want them to follow you because we know that's the only way they're going to have the joy and peace that you've designed every human being for. So we pray for those names, those people we just lifted to you, that you would draw them to Jesus so they could understand the life that Jesus offers them now. And we ask this all in your name. Amen. So uh, the topic for the day is uh, the good life. So... Um, what is the good life? All right, so I kind of was Googling this week, and I thought I'm just going to... So here's some examples of the good life uh, in the world today, all right? So this is a restaurant in Nebraska, of all places. It's called The Good Life. Good food, good spirits. So maybe The Good Life is good food, good spirits, good company. All right, next one. This is another good life. Welcome to The Good Life, a full-service English-style pub restaurant. I think this was in, like, Brooklyn. I can't remember where it was, but another, another time where... Okay, the good life must have something to do with food and drink. All right, not that that's not enjoyable. All right, next one. Uh, good life physical therapy. Life without pain, your good life. Now, Tom Kelzer's not here today. They're out of town. But uh, maybe, you're, maybe good life is pain-free. I don't have any pain in my life. All right, next one. Uh, good posture, good life. Helping, helping good people develop and maintain good posture so they may lead good lives. So maybe, again, good life maybe is health. All right, next one. Uh, real good life, all right, this is a t place that actually makes food for you and then delivers it to your home. And it's in, I put that on because I thought it was kind of a cool name, Wa I don't know how to pronounce it, Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. So the real good life is all about food, all right, but in this case it's somebody else makes it for you, all right. Next one, all right, this is the good life, this is actually in Akron, Ohio, my wife's hometown, full service body piercing studio, all right. And I think it's near where Paul lives. So, Paul, next time you're back home to your parents, go, maybe you need the good life, Paul. Body piercing, always clean, always safe, always high quality. So, a different twist on the good life. All right, next one. All right, this is Good Life Cafe, Soul Food. This is downtown Chicago. So, certain kinds of food. Again, food. And there's nothing against food, but food, that's the good life. All right, there's a few more. Uh, this is the good life. <laughs> this actually was uh, the three things I represent. I read about this was. Sex, gaming, and riding your bike. Those are bike shoes. That's the good life. All right, according to some club online. All right, a couple more. Uh, this was a TV. Anybody, does anybody remember this TV show? I don't. Because it was, it was a British TV show called The Good Life. I guess it was a comedy. It was about a midlife crisis of a guy named Tom and Barbara Good. And their whole assumption was we got to escape the rat race, become self-sufficient. He left his job. It was kind of it was a comedy, I guess. But the, the whole idea was the good life is you get out of the rat race. You live organically, all right? That's the good life, all right? Next one, back to Nebraska again. I didn't know this. Nebraska's uh, motto is the good life, all right? So apparently the good life must have something to do with living in Nebraska, all right? And then here's uh, the next one. Um, I'm just going to play the first couple minutes of this song. It's called The Good Life by a popular band called One Republic, so again, let's just show, I think you have it on video, yeah, it's just a, we'll just show about a minute's worth of the song. There's a 
sold a lot of uh, sold a lot of records, whatever they. I'll have the lyrics on the screen here too, so. There. I'm stopping it there partially because the next verse has a, a few choice words and I didn't want to put on the screen at church. So, But the sense of that song is, okay, the good life must be uh, you know, n- nightlife, the city's on fire tonight. So from these examples, it seems like the good life has something to do with good food, good health, body piercing, and maybe nightlife in Nebraska. I don't know, but Nebraska. You know, so, so that's, so, but but the, the question really is, what is the good life? I mean, people talk about the American dream, and everybody, everybody has a definition of the good life. We're all pursuing it, whether it's uh, some of these things, and it's nothing against wanting good food or wanting to travel or wanting, you know, whatever. But what is the good life? The whole American dream is based on a philosophy of good life means getting more, having more, traveling more. That's the good life. So, but what is the good life? So that's the question of the day. What is the good life? And, and how does Jesus talk about that? What does the Bible say about that? And it's not just religious life, but what is the good life? And how do we, how do we, what is it and how do we pursue it? Because we all have a definition of the good life. I mean, sometimes we think, well, if I had a little more money in my bank account and I could do this and go travel here and do this and do this, and we look at other people who we think have the good life, you know, uh, movie stars, high-quality athletes, and again, it's money and popularity and things like that. But again, let's let's stop and ask you, what, what's the good life according to Jesus? So, uh, I've been doing a series called uh, "Follow Jesus." There's no one like him, and I have this sign. I usually have it up there, but I, you know, I have this because I, when Matthew wrote the Gospel of Jesus, I'm sure he didn't have a sign like this because he didn't have a place called Staples that would print signs for him. But everything in this book, he's pointing people to this. That so you can almost imagine Matthew would have walked up and down the street with what he wrote saying, hey, there's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. Follow Jesus. There's nobody like him. And everything he wrote in the book was pointing to Jesus and was pointing to this, following Jesus. Not, not being religious, not becoming a Christian, but following Jesus because it totally changed Matthew's life. Remember, Matthew's a tax collector, totally despised um, according to Jewish ti- the Jewish attitude of the time, he was not living the good life. He was living the corrupt, uh, dirty life because he was not uh, he was you know collecting tax- taxes from his own people. But so, what is the good life? What is the good life? And what does Jesus have to say about it? So we're going to look at a, um, 
Matthew chapter 5. And it's interesting because uh, Jesus' first talk about the good life is what we know as the Beatitudes. Now, granted, if you're like me, Sermon on the Mount and Beatitudes have become almost religious language that just sound like, yeah, it was a nice, it was a nice sermon and a good poem, what they did. And we don't see it as, as it, was, it was a earth-shattering message that he was saying to people. Like Jesus always did. Everything he did was not, he, Jesus wasn't roaming the countryside reciting poetry to people to make them feel good. He was doing and saying things that was rocking the then known religious world, making the Pharisees very upset with what he was saying, but drawing ordinary broken people to him because he was redefining the good life. So I'm just going to read, uh, there's just, I don't have it on the screen, so just leave this right here. I'm going to read the Beatitudes. Uh, as we mostly hear them, I mean, it's straight from the Bible. I'm not, gonna cha- I'm not changing him, but, uh, but I wanna, we're going to read it, and we're going to talk about it, and then we're going to think, what, is this, what does this mean? All right, so you've heard this many times, probably in different forms, but I'm just going to read it, so just listen and maybe imagine uh, Jesus talking to people. And again, remember, people were blown away by what he's saying here. They're not just saying, oh, this is so nice, so nice, all right? So one day as Jesus saw the crowds gathering, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. Teachers always sat down in in that culture. His disciples gathered around him and began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. Now, most of my uh, Christian life, when I've heard that read, we tend to think of it as it's a list of things, it's a list of behaviors or things we do that can help us live the good life. Or somehow the people who are poor, poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst, those who are merciful, I mean, those don't sound like qualities most of, I mean, it's it sounds, it can almost sound depressing. I read about one person who's like, if that's what it means to be a Christian, I don't want that. If that means I have to live in a poor in spirit, mourning, meek, and it's this sense of, is, is this a to-do list? Is this a, is Jesus saying to people, hey, if you want to really want to know the kingdom of God is about, reminds me of my, when I used to teach junior high I used to bump things all the time so the kids would make fun of me because I walk around too much I've never spilled grape juice before though but this is the first time for everything so I, I won't walk back there anymore no so but we, we tend to think of Sermon on the Mount as just this nice poem that's, that describes kind of this upside down world but it's not a world mourning and meek and peace it sounds a little uh I don't know, strange. Like, so if I follow Jesus, 
mourning, being poor in spirit. And in some, some, some of the passages in other, other gospels, it's just like, blessed are the poor. So it's like, do I have to be those things in order to know Jesus better? But that's not at all the take on this, because why would Jesus give just another list of things to do, things you have to do, or you know, attitudes you have to have in order to follow Jesus? But So I'm going to go right back to the concept of the good life. All right, go back to the good life. I think that's the next slide. Yeah, what is the good life? So let me just explain. So in the, in the, in the passage of the Beatitudes, the word blessed, blessed are those. Some versions say happy are those. Um, some say fortunate are those. I mean, the word is a Greek word, but it has this sense of uh, blessedness. Some translate it happy. The word was used in ancient times for, 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 to describe anybody who had freedom of normal cares and worries because they were rich. Right? We, so the word essentially was used. This was describes anybody who free, who's free from the worries and cares of life because they have more money. That's how the ancient world used it. Sometimes people would talk, when that used the word, the word is makarios, it's a Greek word, but it's blessed. It would use to describe, if you have a blessed life, uh, some were thought they were blessed because they were married, some were blessed because they weren't married, some were blessed because they had children, some were blessed because they were smart, they had fame, they had popularity, but the good life was defined by all those things. Married, not married, children, I'm really smart, I'm really popular. And this is in the ancient world. So that word was used of anybody whose life was good, blessed, uh, happy, not shallow, but, but fortunate. So, but is that, is that what Jesus is saying? The, the blessed, you know, so basically, if I could re, restate it, the Beatitudes are about how to live. Who lives the good life? And even with the idea of money, I just read this week, there, was, there were two Princeton professors who did a study. It was a psychologist and an economist, and they studied, I don't know, 400,000 people or something like that about when are people happy at what level of income? Because we tend to think blessedness in the American dream kind of world is material success. And they found that if you make, if your family makes $75,000, that's the cutoff point for happiness. In other words, if you make more than that, you're not necessarily more happy. They found that even whatever city, county, culture you live in in the U.S., 75000 was the cutoff. Once you got to that point, you thought, okay, now I'm at least, I'm, I'm, I can sustain my life. But the, 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 the thought we have is, well, if I make more, I'll be more happy. They found that the more you make doesn't really increase your happiness. In some cases, it declines your happiness. So this idea of being blessed because we have more is obviously a, a lie of the culture. It's not what Jesus would say. Jesus doesn't say you're blessed if your bank account grows or if your house is bigger or your cars are better. So, but he's talking about this, this good life, you know, the, the good life. So... I'm going, to, I'm going to do a twist on this. I'm not, going to, I'm not changing the text. I'm going to use, instead of blessed are, I'm going to use the phrase, and we're going to put it on the screen, the good life is available to those who mourn, those who weep, and those kind of things. Because Jesus' whole message, and you'll hear me say this a lot throughout Matthew, his whole message was the kingdom of heaven is now here. And what he meant by that is life with God is now available to anyone 
who will trust me and do it and follow me. The kingdom of God is available to anyone. Life with God is accessible to anyone. Because in that day, when Jesus is saying that, the Pharisees are over here. They're already grumbling because they thought life with God was only for those who do it right, who do religion right, who, are, who uh, do all the right behaviors, everything. So Jesus is saying, no, no, it's available to other kind of people. So this list of the Beatitudes is not a list of things we have to do in order to inherit life with God. It's a list of those people who now have life with God accessible to them. And again, in that culture, it was not thought that way. So for example, I'm just going to go to the next slide here. I'm going to recall this. Instead of the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm just going to say Matthew 5 is Jesus telling us about the good life. And again, it was radical how he told it. But this is, because in that day, the good life meant you were religious, maybe you were educated like the Pharisees, you had a good reputation like the Pharisees, you obeyed the law like the Pharisees meticulously, but your heart, in those cases, Jesus said, your heart's far from me. So the average broken person, lower class, sinful class, whatever, they have been told their whole life by the religious establishment, life with God is not really possible for you. It's way out of your reach because you're not like them. Not possible for you. You're not like them. Jesus is talking about these people, all right? So let's just read it. This exact same text, though, I'm, I'm, pla- I'm placing the good life in place of blessed. Now, put the screen up, put it up in there. So now Matthew 5 reads this way The good life is now available to the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit. So now they're saying, saying, It's available to you, even in this situation in life. The good life is now available to those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The good life is now available to the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So now he's saying all these people that have been despised by the, the American dream or the culture, no, no, they can have life with God. Next one. Uh, the good life, what's the next? Yeah, and the good life is now available to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. The good life is now available to the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The good life is now available to the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let me just stop here for a second. Essentially what he's saying is, no matter what you've done or how you think you measure up on the religion scale, the good life is available to you right now. Life with God and confident trust of Jesus is available to anybody. You don't have to have had a perfect report card spiritually. You don't have to have the perfect pedigree or perfect education. You may have failure in your background. You may have failure in your present life. You may, you may be despised And people think, well, that person, they need to clean up their act before they can have life with God. Jesus is throwing all that out the window and saying, no, it's available to anybody right now. All right? Next one. The good life, I'm just just finishing the Beatitudes. The good life is now available to the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The good life is now available to those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And then last slide, finishing up the Beatitudes. The good life is now available to you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. That may not be our reality now, but it could be. And and you read that and I read that and think, well, that doesn't sound like the good life to me. But Jesus is saying when those things happen in your life, you have an you have a 
accessibility and connection with God that will, that will blow you away in terms of how close you are to God in those situations. I, mean, I just read this week there's a, uh, a woman, uh, a member of parliament or whatever they call it in, in Finland, who is being uh, charged like with a hate crime because she said she believes what the Bible says about human sexuality and one man and one woman marriage and she's being charged and might go to prison because she said that. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen here. I don't know. But what I'm, what I'm saying is persecution, mock people mocking, lying about us, say all sorts of evil things against Christians because you are my followers, not because you're a jerk. If people are treating you poorly because you're just a jerk, that's one thing. But because you're my followers. But Jesus says, no, don't, even, don't fear those situations. Because even in those situations, the good life is available to you. Don't fear situations where you're mourning or you're sadness or you have a death or sickness or whatever. Don't fear those situations because the good life is available to you. Now, you know, just Sadie and Aaron, or their example is, you know, they're, they're in a situation nobody would envy, but maybe the good life of God is available to them in ways it's not to the rest of us. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. The good life is available to anybody who are in situations that we tend to think, oh, we have to get out of that situation so they can know God better. But he, it's available to anyone. He even says about persecution, be happy about it, be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Remember the ancient prophets are persecuted in the same way. So here Jesus is painting this picture of the good life according to him is anybody's welcome. Anybody can come. As long as the only condition is reliance and dependence and trust in Jesus. That's the condition. And again, I don't know all of your stories well, but I'm assuming that all of us have some issues where we think, oh, we don't quite measure up yet. I'm not quite, you know, I'm not ready. I can't, God's not pleased with me yet. I'm not ready to have that kind of spiritual life. Or you know people, like the two people you might have prayed for, but Jesus is saying, no, it's for anybody. The gospel is for anybody. The good news, the good life is available to anybody uh, if they trust me. That's what Jesus says. It's not available. It's not because you're religious or behave well. We have a good reputation. And so it goes back to Matthew's. Go to the next slide, which is the last slide. It goes back to Matthew's statement over and over again, and the, or Jesus' statement over and over again that Matthew highlights Jesus just says, follow me. Follow me to the good life. And we tend to think, wait a minute, Jesus, you say a lot of things about money. He says, no, I do, but follow me to the good life. You say a lot of things, Jesus, about forgiveness. When I think of the people I have to forgive, that's hard for me. Jesus says, no, that is what I say. That is the way to the good life, forgiveness. His understanding of money, his understanding of forgiveness, his understanding of what's going on in your heart. Jesus says, if you just follow me and listen to what I say, you will live the good life. Good life meaning a distinctive kind of joy, a distinctive kind of peace, a distinctive kind of contentment that defies your situation. You might be mourning poor in spirit. You might be persecuted. You might be whatever. But those things are yours, he says, despite your circumstances. So... Uh, Again, it's a simplistic kind of statement, but Jesus, just when Jesus says, follow me, 
we tend to want to argue with him. He's like, no, follow me. Just trust the way that I say life can be lived. I read this in a book a couple weeks ago. That was just an interesting statement. They said maybe Jesus was right about life. And this is a Christian pastor writing this. He said, it sounds odd for me to say that, but I finally came to the conclusion, maybe Jesus is right about how to live life well. Maybe Jesus is right about how to live the good life. It has to do with trusting and forgiving and generosity and things that they are almost counterintuitive to the American way of life. But maybe he's right about life, and if he's right about life, then following him is the only legitimate option that makes sense. And it will send you down pathways where you have to go upside down and sideways because it doesn't make sense because whether it's forgiveness or how do you trust God in situations where you don't understand what the outcome, follow me. That's all Jesus says, follow me. So let me pray. So Jesus, we... Uh, I don't know, I'm assuming right now there may be situations with people here today where you're asking them to follow you in your way and it's hard for them, understandably hard for them. Whether it's about money, it's about their future, or relationships, maybe it's a forgiveness issue and maybe in some way in the back of their head and deep in their heart they're hearing this repeated phrase from you, just follow me, follow me. And it's a call to not just follow you, but to obey the way you say life can be lived to lead to the fullest kind of distinctive joy and distinctive peace. So God, so whoever, whoever that might be and to whatever degree you're telling them to follow you over a certain issue, I just pray that you would give them, us, all of us, just a greater trust that you know how to live life well. And you've given us example of how to live the good life because you lived, if I can be a bad on grammar here, you lived the goodest life ever. Um, you are an example of what the good life is all about because there was nothing inside. You had fullness of joy, fullness of peace, fullness of contentment. You were blessed. You were happy in the sense of the attitudes. And uh, that's what we, we want to live those kind of lives regardless of the circumstances around us because we trust you. And uh, we ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.